Welcome to Why Did I Do That, a podcast made by teens to introduce psychology in a more accessible way for teens of all backgrounds. I'm Lauren. And I'm Yusra. We are two high schoolers from Northern California, and we're super psyched to share our excitement of psychology to other teens. Welcome to our first podcast episode of Why Did I Do That? We're really excited for this because obviously it's our first episode and today we're going to be talking about New Year's. So obviously New Year's already passed, but we still had a fun time. So Yusra, how was your New Year's? Thank you for asking. I actually had a really great New Year's. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with my family and my baby sister. It was really fun. Um, ate some good food. What did you do? I basically did everything that you did, except I also traveled a bit. We went to Monterey, and no, it was a bit risky, but pretty sure we didn't contract the virus. So that's good. It's really yeah. good. We also hope everyone here had a great New Year's as well. We're actually talking about you know New Year's resolutions and you know, the science behind why people set them in this podcast. So, Yusra, have you thought about your resolutions this year? Yes, actually, I spent a lot of time thinking about my resolutions. I have a variety of resolutions I plan to keep, like... um, Plan to keep. Yeah, I plan to keep them. Past experiences kind of failed, but this year for sure. And that's a lot about what this podcast is about. But I have academic goals, like um, studying for the SAT. Um, starting a club, health, fitness goals, like trying to bench 100. Oh, then, nice. Yeah, I really love to lift, so something to look forward to. And then I plan to work on this podcast a lot. Yeah, I have a lot of the same goals you do, actually. So I guess great minds think alike. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm also planning to work on the club I have at school and also study for things like SATs. And work on physicality also obviously this podcast because again we're like we've repeated this but we're so excited to get into our first episode honestly yeah but besides that i also have religious goals such as connecting with god and things like that yeah i have a lot of religious goals as well so yeah thank you for reminding me those are some really nice resolutions thank you yours are really good too. I think, like I said, we're really aligned in, you know, what we want to do. And I feel like a lot of people our age have a lot of similar resolutions too, whether it be like health or maybe changing up. Yeah. Also just changing up style maybe. And, you know, just things like that to just glow up. Like, you know, that like glow up trend. yeah. Yeah. So something I've always wondered is, why do we set resolutions at the start of the year? And recently, I've been thinking that it could possibly be because it's like the start of a new year. So it's like the start of a new chapter in our lives or something like that. So do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, actually, what you said has a scientific basis for it, because there's something I found called the fresh start effect in my research. And this basically states that people are more likely to pursue goals right after a time-based landmark. So in this case, it would be New Year's. And 
People do this for a few reasons, but the main one is because they want to focus on the big picture and they think this New Year's is like a new period to achieve goals or just to be a different self. So that does make a lot of sense and it ties into like the notion I had about a new chapter in our lives and the time-based landmark you talked about. So that does make sense and explains why 50% of us actually end up, you know, keeping New Year's resolutions or setting them. But at the same time, 88% of us end up not being able to uphold them. So, oh, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you've had any failed resolutions or something like that to support this. Yeah, I would say your statistics your statistic is really interesting and I mean, it is interesting, but at the same time, I can't say I'm surprised because I know that a lot of people, um, I definitely know that with me, I struggle with keeping goals often. So, for example, last year, I mapped out all my resolutions on this website called Notion. And Mm -hmm. I remember I had this resolution to cook a Trader Joe's meal every day for lunch. I think it's just because I wanted to be like a lifestyle YouTuber, um, like without the actual YouTubing part. So you could guess how that turned out. Wow. What about you? Um, first off, I think that was a really interesting New Year's resolution. Interesting. Yeah, it would have been fun if you actually, you know, did that. But I have to wonder why you chose Trader Joe's of <laughs> out of you know all the other meals. But interesting. For me, um, one of my major, I guess, fails of resolution was trying to start a business. Now, I've literally set it as start a business with no context whatsoever, and it just seemed really daunting, I guess. I mean, starting a business, I bet, would be really tough because I think, like, a lot of startups fail at first, like, not to discourage anyone, but... That is true. I, that is I definitely true. understand that. Like, it could be tough, but it's good that you said, you know, you. like, high goals for yourself. Like, you dream big. I did dream it, but the problem is that I didn't have any specific, I guess, way to achieve it, or I didn't have any context. I just said to start a business, so... I you just, like, start a business yeah, start and a business. nothing else. Yeah, so like, you can see um, how that works. Yeah. The thing is, even I found research that supports why we don't tend to actually uphold the resolutions that we keep. Oh, really? Yeah. And the thing is that we set these goals with the notion that we need to better ourselves and that we're not adequate enough as we are. So we set resolutions that are daunting and, I guess, unappealable, if that makes sense. Like my business goal, for example. So it was really daunting and it just came with the need that I need to be more productive and better than I am right now. So it's really just about the lack of self-acceptance. So, Yeah, I never thought of it that way, honestly. But and I can see some of my goals being because I want to, well, technically all goals are so you improve yourselves. But, I mean, ourselves, like mm-hmm. as in everyone, you know, sets goals to improve some aspects of their life. But I never thought it was exactly because of lack of self-acceptance. So 
just putting that in a new light is really eye-opening. Thank you. And yeah, self-betterment is obviously a big part of it, and it's good to do that. Yeah. But with the, you know, this, this being like a new chapter of our lives, we feel like we need to push back all of the negativities of the past year. So that can also, you know, kind of yeah, it make can it be... to uphold these resolutions. <laughs> Definitely. It can make us feel kind of inadequate sometimes, like you were saying, or just Mm -hmm. kind of maybe out of hope, like hopeless, because we think we can't live up to our expectations. We're just going to give some tips on how to set New Year's resolutions more efficiently this year. And hopefully it not only helps us, but also helps you guys in, you know, keeping it any goals you may set for the new year. So first, um, I wanted to talk about a study that found setting, um, you know, goals that focus on both your abstract or like just um, a sense of who you are as a person and also just taking concrete steps towards that is more effective than you know setting goals where it may only just be like focusing on you know your sense of self or just focusing on you know specific goals so these are classified as superordinate goals and subordinate goals so superordinate goals are the ones that are more abstract and they're part of your big sense of self so for example a superordinate goal could be to love yourself, and then a subordinate goal, which is more specific and concrete, would be to repeat 20 affirmations every week, maybe, in order to fulfill this superordinate goal of loving yourself. I know that might have been a lot, but Yusra, have you ever just set these types of goals or... I would like to say that I have, but I definitely haven't because most of my goals haven't worked in the past. But I really think, yeah, but I really think those are some interesting points to make and that they're really, they sound really important to actual goal setting because you can't just have one big abstract goal without any smaller subordinate goals, as you said, to achieve them. Like my business example, right? I only had a superordinate goal, which would be my trying to start a business, and I had no subordinate goals to follow. So I think combining the two would be really essential to actually achieving whatever resolution it is that you set. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And I really like your insight into that too. Thank you. you. Like, let's all (laughs) clap for you, Sarah, for giving that example of, you know, setting superordinate goals versus subordinate goals. And obviously, this doesn't just have to be for loving yourself. It could also be for trying to be healthy or trying to be more productive. Mm -hmm. So the study also mentioned a study by Locke and Latham. I think that's how you pronounce it. But they had a goal-setting theory that um, subordinate goals are – well, yeah, subordinate goals are really beneficial – also because you know this study found that setting both superordinate and subordinate goals is just much better than for example just focusing on superordinate goals and Yusra I know you did some research on subordinate goals so I want to know what your research found on that 
Thank you. So yeah, I would love to share. And I found a couple tips to help with setting these subordinate goals. So one of these would be trying to set a goal that has a measurable time frame and is very specific. So there was actually a study done by, you know, as you mentioned, Locke and Gary Latham's work. And they're actually the best known for how to set a specific goal. Oh, that's really surprising, actually, that they're the most famous. I mean, it definitely explains why I found their study referenced in the study that I'm talking about. So, yeah, I mean, also, side comment, how you pronounce it, lock and laugh. I think that's how you said it, right? Latham. I think I said Latham, but I think we Latham could, sounds Yeah, we could just like put it into Google Translate and see how it's pronounced. Yeah, definitely something to look into. Anyways, their theory showed that setting specific goals really helps with channeling your attention to what's important and challenging the, your skills for the likelihood of actually succeeding your goal. Because um, if you didn't have this specific goal in mind, then you know exactly what to do and therefore we aren't doing things that aren't, that aren't unimportant in order to reach this goal or wasting our time in doing so. I definitely see that setting a time frame to achieve your goal by would be really helpful in terms of, you know, just setting a certain like deadline for yourself because um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this, but, you know, Parkinson's Law, where you stretch your work until the last minute when you do something. So, obviously, it's a year, so there are 12 months in a year, which can be pretty intimidating to stretch your goal over. So, I definitely agree with you by setting a time frame, preferably less than a year, so it doesn't intimidate you. Um and then, it doesn't appear as daunting as yeah. my goal did, but yeah. Yeah, so for example, like, if you want to maybe achieve running a certain number of miles before, you know, the year ends, instead of just saying, like, I'll get it done by December 31st of 2022, you can start breaking it into specific goals. Like, for January, you're like, okay, I want to run maybe two miles, and then by February, like by the end of February, I want to run about four miles, just things like that to make it easier for yourself. Definitely. Um, I was going to add on that this study also found that keeping these hard specific goals allows for the good analysis of these goals during milestones, which are super important for goal setting. And I'm going to get into that in my next tip. But as Lauren was saying, having 12 months as a time frame is just not doable, especially with Parkinson's law. As humans, we're naturally, the amount of work we have is going to fit the time that we give it. So if we give it 12 months, it's going to take 12 months. Yeah. And also with 12 months being a long time, if we're not like, you know, we don't have this drive to really achieve it, we're most likely not going to keep it, especially if we give ourselves a whole year to do it, which is why having a, yeah, yeah like you were saying, a specific time frame, which re- would really help with keeping the school yeah like imagine just trying to achieve something by just the end of the year like I'm sure most of you would just give up on that I know I would because just you know achieving something over a year it's likely I would forget about it and just not feel motivated honestly same yeah 
So not having the drive to even complete it is just, you know, something that could likely happen if you give it 12 months. But yeah. So as I was talking about milestones, um, I wanted to bring them up again in for my next tip. So milestones are super important because they're like the stepping stones to actually achieving your overall goal. And they're super important because you Oh can, yeah, that's what I thought yeah. of too for milestones because they're like stepping stones probably because of the name. The name. It's yeah. like, you know, maybe a mile for each stone. I don't know how to think about it. Well, that does make sense. <laughs> um so yeah, like you were saying, there's stepping stones and they help actually monitor your overall goal and their implementation. So there's actually this study that helped show how milestones actually work. And what they did was they had a group of participants that had interventions to monitor their goals. And then they had another group that didn't have any interventions. So the ones with interventions, which were like milestones for their goals, showed that they had a higher likelihood and an increased frequency um, a higher likelihood of actually achieving their goals when they had an increased frequency of milestones. And this allowed for them to stay focused on their objective, or in this case, their goal, which is really the main point of actually even having milestones. So as you can see, this did really help with trying to uphold their goals. Yeah, I could see where that definitely makes sense. So for example, it's like, you know, being in maybe a football field or just any sports game, and maybe to you, you're winning the game because you're panting and you're sweating really, yeah, well, it, you're panting really hard and you're sweating a lot, and you feel like you're winning because, you know, you're obviously working so hard, but then there's technically no exact measurable way to see how well you're doing in the game unless you count for example the number of goals you're scoring so maybe you'll look up at the scoreboard and be like oh this team has this number of goals and we need this number of goals to beat them so that acts like a milestone right yeah okay that's a really interesting example thank you for sharing that oh thanks <laughs> um i was also going to share that if you make your outcomes of your goal publicly available, like you share them with a friend or a family member, or you do something like writing them down. So if you like to journal, like I know we like to journal. <laughs> yeah. So journaling about your achievements, all of this really helps with actually achieving the overall goal. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you have any examples of this too? Like, um, yeah. So... If I were to put it into the context of my business goal or failed resolution, <laughs> um, maybe this year you'll use this to actually start your own business. Hopefully, yeah, something I was thinking of getting into. But um, to use it as an example, say you wanted to start an e-commerce business and you had a milestone of reaching a thousand online shoppers. So this would be a milestone where you can see what you've done what worked what worked and what didn't or what just, worked and what didn't what it's just a you. way of like and to keep analyzing your, your progress yes. yeah Sorry, analyzing your progress seeing what works and then what you can do from onwards to see how you can achieve your overall goal and you know it allows you to stay focused say if your actual large goal is to have a successful e-commerce store, then this allows you to stay focused on your objective while also focusing on what you can do to improve your, I guess, strategies to reaching that goal. 
Yeah, um, that was a great example as well. So I also liked how you just um, related it to your goal and starting a business because um, I think basically if you didn't know by now, milestones are in essence just a visual way or just a concrete way of keeping track of your goals. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing those tips on milestones and keeping track of your progress through, you know, setting timestamps. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, of course. For your example. Yeah. <laughs> and for helping me with my little mess up. But, you know, um, applying this sort of thing to your past resolutions can also kind of get rid of that negative notion you feel about, you know, your failed resolutions. So you can try again next year. So, yeah. So um, now getting back to the more broad area. So I know we talked about subordinate goals and subordinate goals. It might have felt like 100 years ago. But, you know, now we're back with one last tip for just more general goals. So a study found that setting goals aiming to do something tended to work better than setting goals aiming to avoid something. So aiming to do something would be classified as an approach-oriented goal, and then an avoidance-oriented goal would be aiming to avoid something. So maybe your approach-oriented goal could be aiming to be healthier, and then an avoidance-oriented goal would be aiming to not eat instant ramen all the time, which, which I know would be really tough, Yeah. Honestly. Because instant ramen is just too Too good to avoid. Yeah. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Or instant ramen, if you want to talk about (laughs) Um, Well, instant ramen is great. But I did want to say that I do think it makes a lot of sense to keep goals as an approach-oriented goal. I do like how it's really easy to understand the goal types from the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, pretty straightforward. You can just assume what the goal is based Mm -hmm. on, you know, approach-oriented versus avoidance-oriented. Yeah. Yeah, also, this study had 1,066 participants, which is quite a lot for for a psychological study. Um, And it found that, well, obviously, there was more success with setting approach-oriented versus avoidance-oriented goals. So... Um, yeah, it's just advice for everything you do in life. You should just be aiming to do something because, for example, if you just have this long list of what not to do, like that's why you make to-do lists mm-hmm. and you don't make so many not to-do yeah, lists. Yeah, I've never heard of a not to-do list, well, honestly. I, think I, I have heard some maybe business people setting not to-do lists. Really? But yeah, I feel oh. like. Just having a not to do list alone, though, would be it would be right. kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, just encouraging. I also wanted to say that I don't know about you, but when I tell myself not to do something, like not to envision something, I'm most yeah. likely gonna envision it, and I'm most likely yeah. gonna do it. So. It's like that feeling of someone telling you not to do something and but making you, you end want up doing it. Yeah, or wanting, yeah. It just makes you want to do it more. So, for example, if Someone tells you, don't think of a monkey riding on a tricycle. Well, <laughs> guess what you're going to think of? Are you thinking of a monkey are, riding on a tricycle? Yeah. yeah, so. I mean, 
Or I should have asked, are you not thinking about a monkey running on a tricycle? Remember, don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the whole concept, as you can see, is pretty pretty straightforward, which is nice. Yeah. So, we really hope all of this advice helped you in one way or, an- or another in really reaching your new self, in quotation marks, because um obviously we still (laughs) advise you to stay true to your own self things like that but these are just goals you can take to just improve small parts of your life and self-improvement is nice and we all need it in our lives yep but yeah definitely leave a review if you found the podcast episode helpful or if you didn't find it helpful so we know or just like we get feedback on how to record future episodes Definitely. And you can really apply these tips to any type of goal setting, not just New Year's resolutions. So don't feel limited to just this. It could even be maybe like getting assignments done in school or something like that. Academics, whatnot. There's a lot of places where you can apply this. So yeah, definitely something to do. Make sure to join us for our next Why Did I Do That episode. And we truly thank everyone who's supported us so far. Thank you for everyone who's actually listening to this first episode. We really appreciate, you know, all of our listeners, all of our supporters. And remember, don't forget to keep asking yourself, Why Why Did did I I Do do that? That?